Welcome to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. I'm Patty Vest. And I'm Mark Wood. This season on SageCast, we're discussing mentoring stories with one of students, professors, coaches, and staff who work closely together in the classroom, in the lab, and in the field. Let me introduce today's guests. Gilda Ochoa, professor and coordinator of Chicana Chicano Latina Latino Studies at Pomona College, and René Valenzuela, class of 20, a Chicana Chicano Latino Latino Studies major. Welcome, Gilda and René. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, it's great to have you both with us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> um, so, Gilda, let's begin with you. Um, Pomona's uh, program in Chicano, Chicano, Latina, Latino uh, studies is currently celebrating its 50th anniversary, um, which I understand makes it the second oldest mm -hmm. program of its kind in the country. Um, how has the program evolved over those 50 years? That's a big question. <laughs> one. You can fill that in to help me out as well. Um, so first of all, we are a department. You're and a department. so yeah, so Sorry. we are an intercollegiate department, that's meaning right. that we are yeah. all five C's. Mm -hmm. And that's key because one, um, we are a department. So that gives us a departmental status, mm -hmm. but we also it's been slower to be able to build mm -hmm. because when we were initially established, we were all established with each college contributing funds. Um, but maybe no one department taking or one no one college taking full ownership over mm -hmm. it. Um, secondly, we all were hired in joint appointments. Mm -hmm. And so it's that's been slow in going. Our first recent hire in solely in Chicano Latino Studies here at Pomona College was Adelie Zimmerman. And that was just two years ago, right? This, she just finished her first year. We are a program, though, at Pomona College. So about seven years ago, we thought to be able to, to continue to build here at Pomona College, we wanted to have a program. And so we established that as well. And so we have five faculty here at Pomona College in the program. And then there's some affiliates as well. And then we are nine faculty across the five Claremont Colleges. If you want to say anything. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, no, I mean, in our recent Chiganis uh, Latinx senior seminar class, like when we went over mm -hmm. kind of the history mm -hmm. of how um, it got to the point where we have our first senior seminar, or at least, was, is it the first? Solely Chicano Latino Studies yes. students. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm, um, yes. And so really even, I thought that was really cool. It was at like kind of like a circle where we were all just congregated talking about that history of like how the department and how we've kind of um, built um, to what we are today and still kind of growing and learning mm -hmm. from the processes mm -hmm. of... Um, being together, um, yeah. and uh, but also kind of um, having different hands, having different um, <laughs> like coming in with different backgrounds from different disciplines as well, mm -hmm. and putting those in conversation with our own theses as um, Chicanx Latinx majors. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Oh, oh, can I just add yeah. that? I mean, really did come about through struggle, and that's we have to always say, and it's an ongoing struggle, mm -hmm. right? That we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for students, faculty, staff, community members who, from the beginning, mm -hmm. have pushed for our existence, yeah. and really we continue yeah. to to push. Um, but it's been slower to be able to build because of the way the structure was established. Mm -hmm. um, it's meant that all of us initially were again serving two departments that we were not physically together. I barely moved my line to Chicano Latino Studies. This is maybe my third. You were a sophomore, right? When mm -hmm. it was official, I moved my office too. And so before that, I mean, even now, there's only three of us there. Mm -hmm. And so now, little by little, we are building. We have more majors. I think we have about yeah. 10 just at Pomona, nice. right? So that's all exciting. 
And that's been beautiful to see like our our lounge in Lincoln. Like I remember my mm-hmm. my early my first second year, like that lounge not really having or at least both in my knowing and also knowing that students would work there, but now like I'm there almost every day. And there's, if not, I'm not the first one. There's always someone there already. It's alive. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's coming to life or more life yeah. continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think there's more like a community vibe. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Not only within our department, but also like yesterday, the, there were a lot of students in the Asian, Asian American studies lounge as well. Um, You've started talking a little bit about it. Um, Rene, if you want to start. Um, CLS is really an interdisciplinary mm-hmm. field and intercollegiate too. Mm-hmm. What are some of the advantages and, and challenges also that comes with the, you know, getting a little slower start to becoming a programmer in, in a department? But what are some of the advantages that that, that the interdisciplinary yeah. um, nature brings? Yeah. Um, I mean, that that interdisciplinary nature is what brought me mm-hmm. to major in, okay. in Chicano Science Studies. Like, I came in wanting to be politics and then I bounced around way too much <laughs> from politics to psychology to economics and like w- with like the, P- the PPA track as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all throughout that time, I was also taking some classes in CLS and okay. it was really in, um, I remember it was my spring of my sophomore year where I was in a class with Professor Basio, um, psychology, the Chicano Latinx where at that point I had, I think, two other CLS classes under my belt and where I was like, okay, I can really, I don't have to think just in terms and in the language of econ or in the terms and language of politics Mm -hmm. um, or psych. Like I can do, I can put those all in conversation. Um, And also through focusing on um, the Chicanx Latinx experience, right? Like being able to relate to my, my history um, and so it was, it was kind of that being able to not, in some ways be confined to think of, to think only through one lens, mm-hmm. um, that has really been transforming for me at least. Um, yeah. Okay. And I remember that <laughs> because it was also when we were doing our job search, right? So yeah. we had candidates coming through mm-hmm. and, um, and I, you were in the education class, the Latinos education, and I, my office, settled. you came to office hours and my door was open, but I remember you came in and it felt like there was a sense of relief I said, that you yeah. had like made that decision. And it seemed like that was a really formative time, right? Because I know you had been thinking about several different majors and yeah. then um, <laughs> our most, and I know the candidate who was visiting as well, mm-hmm. if you want to say that in yeah. more detail, but it seemed like there was like a, a light bulb that mm-hmm. almost went on that you mm-hmm. felt like that was for you. Yeah, um, it was in in my intro to Chicana Satinac Studies with Professor Alcala, where she brought in one of the candidates, Adelie Zimmerman, mm-hmm. um, and she gave a talk on the intersections of like so, uh, social media and citizenship. Mm. Um, and it was, as, as Professor Cho was saying, um, where I was like grappling with what am I going to do with my life, my major, <laughs> um, where her lecture just really like spoke to me. And I remember after her, her lecture, her talk, I went up after her and I was like, I'm going to do what she kind of like, You just I, convinced me. Yeah. And like, she gave me a hug and it just felt so like <laughs> surreal. I don't know. And then I remember after that, I was walking and I, I like I was gleaming of joy. And then I ran into <laughs> Professor Basio and then I told her as well. And she was like, well, welcome. And it was just. Bienvenido. Yeah. It, like I felt embraced and yeah. It, yeah. 
<laughs> and, that, and then again, we hired Adelie Zimmerman. Yeah. Um, so that was the candidate we had brought out four candidates. Mm-hmm. And before Adelie, our only other full-time position um, or hire was Marta Gonzalez, who we had hired maybe five or six years before at Scripps College. And so um, it's no coincidence, right? So it's been, it's been long yeah. in the workings of trying mm-hmm. to get our growth and yeah. so to really have someone full-time and that to have the students feel the same way. And I think it's no coincidence that then you ran into Professor Vasio and then you see me and that it, this is all part of the inter- interdisciplinary nature of it, right? Mm-hmm. And also um, that we are... Well, we're really only at three colleges of the five Claremont mm-hmm. colleges, right? Mm-hmm. So we're at Scripps, Pitzer, and Pomona College. Mm-hmm. Is that there's a sense of community that we um, there's a deep mm-hmm. respect and an affirmation for each of us that we all have different strengths, um, and together I think there really is beauty that comes out of it, mm-hmm. and it is a sense of trying to build. So that that you said your first year you'd go into the lounge, maybe you didn't see people there, and we really have been dispersed because again being physically located all all across the colleges. I smile when I walk by the lounge and see students using that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but that those are all the strengths. And then likewise to have faculty at Scripps and at Pitzer helps us better know what's happening across the colleges too and to draw on those those ties. But it makes it harder to do the work in all yeah. honesty because you can imagine we have different obligations, different, different schedules, teaching schedules, and so on. Um, yeah, and among students as well, like being <laughs> at different colleges, like there mm-hmm. is – in some ways, like that, those barriers that, like, well, they go to Scripps or they go to Pitzer um, or CMC or, or Harvey Mudd, where it's like we can't, we could only relate to so much, right? But then in CLS, when we have like our events or like our community gatherings where we get to like those brief moments where we get to come come together and connect and like relate. And like it's it's through, we've all taken similar classes within the discipline mm-hmm. that like give us, give us these similar ideas and frameworks to understand and talk about things. Um, and really honing in what I, I like this ethos that I've taken away from CLS of like just being in community, mm-hmm. um, in convivencia mm-hmm. that like is really beautiful, especially in, at these colleges, you know, um, finding those special moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's important. So Jilda, um, your backstory is a little longer than Renee's, but I'm going to ask you to <laughs> take okay. us through a little bit. Uh, <laughs> were you always, do you always know you wanted to be in academia and how did you end up? here at Pomona and in CLS? So, um, let's see. I am the daughter of a Nicaraguan immigrant. My father came when he was 15 from, from Nicaragua with his parents. Uh, my father died when I was in college. Um, that'll come back to the story. I'm also the daughter of a Sicilian um, New Yorker. My mm. mother's family came from Sicily, and she grew up in New York, and they both met in La Puente, oh, okay. which some of you know that's where I do yeah. my research, and super mm-hmm. rooted to that area. Um, so growing up, navigating multiple languages, families every weekend. It was going to my mother's family in La, in La Puente as they spoke Sicilian and English, and we sat and kind of listened. Um, and likewise, going to my father's family where Spanish was was more predominant, um, and we sat and listened in, in Spanish as well. And then going home and kind of learning to be raised in an all-English household because my father's ex- experiences of mass dis- discrimination because yeah. of language as an yeah. immigrant and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So always navigating those multiple identities, those multiple spaces, always kind of attuned to that. 
Um, then I go, so I was also raised, but my parents were both first generation to go to college. Mm. They both, like not, it's not uncommon for first generation students, went to community colleges locally, and then they ended up becoming middle school teachers in public mm. schools. So education and the thought of teaching was always kind of at the forefront. Um, I also have an older brother who also is an academic, and I think you just met him this past yeah. weekend at MMUF. So having that role model as well. Um, through through college, um, taking a lot of sociology classes, women's studies classes, and um, appreciating some of that content, and but still f seeing things that were missing. Um, very little literature was being talked about in terms of Chicanos, Latinos, let alone Central Americans in the 80s and early 90s as an mm -hmm. undergrad and then as a graduate student. So I always try to seek out. So I try to seek out those spaces mm -hmm. um, to have better sense of the history and experiences that helped me make sense of what I was seeing, what I was learning, and what I knew in my own family, in my own, in my own history. Um, and it was in graduate school where I ended up majoring, getting my PhD in sociology, but I was always a teaching assistant in Chicano Latino studies. And so when it came time to apply for jobs, this was back in the mid to late 90s. I started here in 96, um, tenure track in 97. It was a joint appointment. And at first, again, that's one of the difficulties in terms of building a department. But for someone who was right coming out of grad school, it made perfect sense for me to be able to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed like it was a good fit. Um, so that's a little bit of that trajectory. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say I always knew that I would be an academic. Um, but those were questions about immigration, about language, about multiple identities. Um, and then again, this was in the 70s as a, as a child. As my family was, we had a lot of family, most of the family was in Nicaragua. And so having messages sent from Nicaragua during the revolution, what that meant, but a lot of unanswered questions. And so I wasn't getting those in other traditional disciplines answered. That makes sense. Tell me about uh, your relationship. How did you first meet and how did that relationship start to grow? Do you want to start or do you want me to? I can start. <laughs> okay, let's um, see what the same. I don't <laughs> um, remember. Well, I don't know if you'll remember that. I'm pretty sure you won't. Okay. Uh -oh. um, but actually, so I I heard about Professor Ochoa long before, like before I formally met, um, like as a first year as well, because I my first year I had a lot of upperclassmen friends, and they're always mm -hmm. like, through students, mm -hmm. you ask, like, okay, what classes should I take? What professors? Mm -hmm. And Professor Ochoa's always among, and t still is. And as an upperclassman now, I always tell students, you should take a class with Professor Ochoa. So from the beginning, I, I knew of Professor Ochoa, didn't really know her yet. Mm -hmm. And then it was actually on in November um, after the election um, that was that it, we were, there was a gathering on Mars and Quad mm -hmm. um, that I heard you speak. Mm. Um, and again, to that point, like I didn't know who Professor Tra like I didn't have a, a face to the name. Um, and actually, I, I remember I heard you speak, mm. um, but I, I don't remember walking away from that moment. I still didn't have a face <laughs> to write, but I, I had heard you speak and like it was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, like hearing you speak just gave me chills. It gave me a lot of um, assurance. Um, and it was really powerful. And that was at least my first um, first memory, really, mm -hmm. of, of who 
um, mm-hmm. this who Professor Ochoa was like, um, and it was beautiful. And to say, like, I treasure that memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, like that was November, and then came spring semester, um, and that's when I enrolled in introduction to sociology. And it was I remember actually I remember I had enrolled. I should only leave that out. Um, <laughs> like another class. Um, yeah, with the part. Interesting. But it was, it was, it was. Like, I knew, <laughs> I knew I wanted to um, take an introduction to sociology, um, as it was also one of my potential. I was exploring to see if I, that's what I wanted to major in. Mm-hmm. And it was just like having seen that it was Professor Ochoa's name attached to that, I was like, yes, like there's no. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get in this class regardless of, mm. of what. And it actually was me and my siblings. Um, like, I think there were like seven of us or five that all simultaneously because we had the same um, or very similar um, registration slots. And mm. we were like, are you taking, did you all see that introduction <laughs> to sociology is being taught with Professor Choa? And like, we all like mm. um, signed up together and there were like five of us who ended up being in that class. It was really great. So it became a, a sponsor group family affair. <laughs> yeah, struggling through like the assignments, but also like um, just the experience of it. Nice. Can Did, I say something first yeah, about the fall? Of course. Um, and then come back to it because I think that that's that was a crucial moment. Did right? you know that? that, that was I the did first not time know. That he, I did that not he know heard that. You? But okay. I remember the Marston Quad. Yeah. And of course, I remember it's the election all too yeah. much. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible time um, for a lot of us. Right. For different reasons. Yeah. Um, and that. That evening, I had gotten emails from students. Um, you know, what are we going to do? Students are all gathered. I think, you know, um, processing uh, as, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do as well mm-hmm. as faculty. Um, and then that morning, Tomas Summer Sandoval was teaching his intro to Chicano history class, Chicano Latino history class. And I think he opened it up. He'd gotten Han 101, or maybe they already were meeting there. And so he let all the Chicano Latino sort of faculty know our class is meeting, come in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it a space to dialogue, which I think, again, a epitomizes that we try to come together and do what we can. And so I didn't, I went not knowing what to say, right, and not thinking I was going to speak. Um, and just the room was filled with emotions, a lot of tears. And I still get, you know, I get choked up, even not hearing your story, because, again, it brings back mm-hmm. so much of it. Um, and, and Tomas Amor Sandoval, he had various quotes that we were talking through and people mm-hmm. were sharing. And I remember I also didn't want people, to, and people were sitting in rows, because Han 101 is big, it's kind of vacuous, it's dark. Yeah. And I felt like there was a lot of isolation. We were together in that room, but we were like not seeing each other. Literally, we were like sitting, facing, I get Tomas or whoever. I think the, but Tomas was kind of on the side. Miguel, I remember he was also kind of on the side. And I just remember I felt like we needed to look at each other because this was a time more than ever to know that we are not alone. And so I think I just at that point just asked people, please turn around and look at each other and see, who, you know, just to kind of affirm that we are here together, we're here for each other, that we are a community. And so I think I started taking notes then. And then um, Nicole Weeks, right, she was putting together the um, the event on Marston Quad and had asked me to speak. I remember I was teaching the qualitative methods class and I had asked the class, do you want to meet? I'll be sitting outside because we had a library session. And so, yes, we need to meet. And it was, again, these spaces of kind of dialogue. So I just kind of borrowed the kind of what I think is I do what I, I teach. I borrowed what I heard from other people and students and tried to bring it to the stage yeah. there of the sense that we, this is, this is a horrible period, yes, but it's not the only time we've seen this before that we also know that we, we, we exist together and we persist and we, we, we do what we can. Um, 
So, because you all asked us, right, ahead yeah. of time. And I was going <laughs> to share this, but I didn't know if I was supposed to share it. <laughs> so I remember intro to Soch. Um, and, I rem- and I remember where you sat, because that's kind of how I am. You kind of sat to the right, right? You better, you better say yeah, yes. Like the <laughs> yeah, well, the room was, yeah. yeah. But I, yes. I kind of like diagonal the from the door. Right yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, there was like 15 people, or six, 16, 17. It was mm-hmm. a small group. Um, <laughs> but I remember your presence there, both in terms of, um, I see you as like a strong listener, like fully engaged. You may not always jump into the conversation right away, but you're always present, right? And I remember um, office hours, and this is what I ended up writing, I think, that um, I'm hoping my memory, no, no, because my memory sometimes fails me after all these years, right? I start putting everything together. But your, um, the interview project, right? Y'all had to do interviews, yeah. and you were interviewing, if I remember, the experiences of white students in ethnic studies classes, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And so I remember those powerful conversations because, for me, again, I'm always learning as a, as a professor. That's, that's the great thing about teaching, right? We're never the same teacher yeah. that we were the day before because we have the luxury of being able to listen and learn from other people. And so just having you share the process of doing the interviews, but also what you were learning from the yeah. people that you were interviewing. Um, so I really valued those conversations. But I also valued, valued your contributions in our class then. And so, um, again, it continued to be a difficult semester for various other reasons, yeah. um, I guess, on, compounded by the climate that we existed within politically. Um, but it was kind of a slow getting to know you. And then I think it was, again, the following spring. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if some of the spibblings then, was that the idea then, the spring to take the education class together? I don't think it was. And a, then the voices class the following spring. Yeah. After, yeah. I mean, there's I a think, community that forms. Yeah. Um, after intro soch, I at least knew that I was okay. I have to take another class with Professor Ochoa. Um, and it, but I, but I, I remember I, I would tell myself, I was like, okay, but I have to come back better. Like I have to come back with more, <laughs> like um, being able to having kind of, and and I think it, it, it comes in and I kind of, I shared about this a little. Um, at Pomona, at least I was very charged as a first year coming in you're charged with this idea of that, okay, you have to come in and you have to learn how to think critically. Mm. And I didn't know what the heck that was. Um, <laughs> I really didn't. Um, and I remember even the my first and second year, like, I think that was like on, on my, and always in the back of my head, like, okay, where do I get this thing critically? Like who teaches this and what, right? Um, I need to get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that was a part of my, my in as I was always like picking and figuring out my schedules, I was okay, I have to, well, I know I, know I wanna take another class with Professor Choa, um, but I need to go get the thing critically somewhere so, or like build onto that, right? And so, and I've, I, that at least, cause I've taken a class or at least my first three years, I always took a class with you my spring semester um, because I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it in the spring and the fall, I'm gonna get more thing critically somewhere, right? And then I'm gonna come back. Um, but for to, cause I think just, and I, I remember are we, we talked about this a bit when we were at Knox, how your classrooms, um, they're really different. Like we, there, it's a setting where students, where we all get to, it's not the banking model. Like we all share our knowledge and mm-hmm. our, and it was something that I was first really introduced to in the intro social class. Mm-hmm. Um, a little discomfort because there was a lot of like, oh, this, I'm like, she's not lecturing for the whole hour, 15 minutes. I was like, okay. Um, like, do I take notes on what everyone else says too? Um, 
And so, it was, but it was, yeah, like, but it was, it was a new different that like, I now love, mm-hmm. um, which is why like it, I was like, oh, at the end of my spring semester, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this again. Not in the fall, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna, I, it, I kept, it kept bringing me back as well with other students and what was what we all just built together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. No, and I think for me, that's kind of going back to what I see Chicana Latinx studies. It's not just the content. It's not just learning those histories that are absent in the other curriculums or other disciplines. It's not just learning about the experiences or even the frameworks, but it's also how we, we teach and how we build community, mm-hmm. right? And so it is about that process. And that's, um, but it can be kind of dis- it can be uncomfortable when one isn't used to it, especially coming in right out of high school mm-hmm. or with this idea that this person is supposed to have all this knowledge, right? Um, and yeah, and I remember the education class. Can I say a little bit about mm-hmm. the about yeah. the next the next spring? Because um, this is a class that we were, we were partnering with Pomona High School, and um, there's a lot of pivotal moments in that classroom space. I remember early on, it was like a whoever can if we can fit around the table, we'll make it work, mm-hmm. right? And I think it was Richard that right away started reconfiguring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the class about? Tell it us was, a little bit. Oh, it's like, that you yeah. is an education class, okay. mm-hmm. and so in that class in particular, it's also about not just learning about the educational system, but I feel like always I have to like think back to wait a minute. We're talking about power and inequality as though it exists out there in some other kind of educational arena where reality is we exist within it and we also perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to not do that in, in our own classroom space? Um, so it's really a how are you going to uh, model or reflect your whole ethos of what you're, de- you know, what you're teaching. So it's, a, it's in our seminar room, which is started off with white walls. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a key thing. It's <laughs> this white wall seminar room that what we love because it's our space, but there's no windows. It's our only seminar room. And it really is like seats, what, 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. But there were more. So we're like, okay, as long as we can fit around the table, because we can't have anybody on the outside. And I don't know what kind of configuration yeah. he did. But it worked out. <laughs> it, it worked. Um, but we partnered with Pomona High School, which has a Chicano Latino Studies class, mm-hmm. um, which, again, I, I just, that's, they're, they're our neighbors, but we typically don't get a chance to interact. And by then, you were already working with the Draper Center, mm-hmm. right? So you had some of those ties. Um, but I think there are a number of things that stand out. One was, and I think I read about this, the poetry that you that you wrote. Um, and I think I think you shared in class, too. Yeah, I read one of them. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that? You can finish it. Okay. So one of the... Not to put you on the spot, because I think I forgot you one in the class. So... The class, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's easy to think about teaching in a way. And I always say, it's in my head, I have it one way. And then I go that day and then it just changes based on kind of where people are at and what, what we're thinking. And so there were these moments where I think it was part of the, one of the assignments. I think the class kind of, I don't know where that idea came yeah. from, but it was kind of a collective decision that instead of a more conventional paper, right, that we should actually have another way to critically engage with what we're learning in our partnership with Pomona High School mm-hmm. was absolutely that's what I argue with Chicano Latino Studies that's yeah. the idea of education and so people took it and ran with it and that's when you did the poetry um, we also wanted to have a day where we also co-created together and so the class said, let's go to the hive right yeah. and so we went to the hive and and I think we all and I also did some poetry too we all took our pieces whatever we had created and put them on this red banner yeah. and then you and Richard right volunteered to try to laminate it and- <laughs> to laminate it and people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling around because we wanted to preserve that, right? right? This was part of us and our class yeah. and our beauty together. Um, and then you you all posted it at Smith Campus yeah. Center. 
you sent me a picture just to show me, right? So <laughs> it's I have, up, it's I, up, yeah. And I have that picture. Um, but, and then also I think the partnership with Pomona High School, mm-hmm. which I think, again, reflects how I see you as someone who's very thoughtful, deep, a deep critical thinker, um, but also very in tune to kind of di- interpersonal dynamics, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it was you and Evelyn that were working together with um, with students because we had looked at the Chicanos student blow the Chicano Latino well, Chicano Chicana walkouts from nineteen sixty eight and the list of demands that students had mm-hmm. from sixty eight and then now what was it fifty years later or forty nine yeah. years later? Um, what what demands do we still need to be making? And then you all added a demand, right? And I know that you were kind of working with students, had them on campus. Yeah. Um, no and that was that experience of like being able to do community engagement, like work with like other students, right? Mm-hmm. That like beyond the Claremont Colleges, first was like, um, and then like that was think, a hit exploding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those um, at home who can't see, yeah. Him. <laughs> um, and I think I think back to that class and there like being a lot like the poetry, for example. I remember, and I remember the process of writing one of the poems. Um, I think one of the poems I was just very in some ways disillusioned with even what we were doing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of how, yes, we were still going and engaging with um, high school students from Pomona High and trying to like yeah. debunk and trying to like break down the barriers. But then at the same time, we were still very much going there for a block of their their period and then we were leaving and then that was it. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I think like I... I think back to to one of the students that I'm actually still very close mm-hmm. with to this day. Um, and it was just very hard that we, like, at the same time that we were meeting with them, we would all still be doing readings as well and, like, <laughs> engaging with the theory. And it's like, well, the theory, but then the practice right there. And But, like, you, we still get to leave and, like, <laughs> we get to leave or, like, we get to bring them. We brought them to our campus, but then they have to leave, and right? And it's like... It was. It just didn't make sense for me mm-hmm. that we got to yes be in and have like mm-hmm. coming together in community, um, but that all of their hardships as um, and our privileges were like still intact, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember one of the assignments was like to reflect, I think, on that, and I wrote two poems. One of them, I think, it were two, maybe. But, um, and it was interesting because I, I shared the poem that was not so critical in class because <laughs> I was scared to share the other one. Um, but I but, think you submitted both. Yes, no? I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember I was, I wrote, so I wrote See, two. <laughs> I wrote two poems. I wrote one that really captured my relationship with one of the students, said Hugh, um, because he and I, we... Bonded. Yeah, like we, we bonded and we... Um, yeah, it was just very easy to build a friendship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that to this to this day, like I still mm-hmm. we still see each other. Like I got a meal as soon as I got back to to campus. Like I, where I hit him up, I was like, "Hey, let's get a meal together," um, and that's been great. And so I wrote a poem about that, like our, how our friendship started and has developed. And I remember, like, we have a clash because he cheers for the America soccer team, <laughs> and I'm a Chivista, and that was not oh, yeah. even. Um, that's okay. We're still friends with that. Um, You're and, still friends anyway. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, unless there's a game. And then, yeah. But, 
so I wrote a poem about that, right? But then the other poem that I was actually that that poem was a longer process, and I was really nervous about that because it, in a way, it was like critiquing, or what I tried to do was critique the experience, but then it was hard to like be critiquing it and like still see that as like a product or as something that like Professor Ochoa like had proposed, and like it was. In some ways, it was difficult for me to feel that I was critiquing you, right? And so and that's why, like, there was, like, I was writing, I was like, wait, should I say that? Like, like it was kind of going back and forth, like, is this allowed? Can I do this, right? But then, and it all, 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 because I know it wasn't critiquing you. I knew it was the system and what, what mm -hmm. we're all part of, but I, I was always, I was like, I hope she doesn't take this personal. Um, <laughs> but it was really, I, it was really, um, I really enjoyed that, mm -hmm. like being able to think about what was going on and how it was really wasn't okay. And I remember I wrote this in the Draper Center. Um, mm -hmm. I remember Richard was there and so was Ison and she graduated. And I was talking to them. I was like, like um, uh, bouncing ideas with them back and forth. And I was like, can I like, what do y'all think about this? They're like, yeah, like you got to write that, like talk mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, well, what about like, is this too harsh? And they're like, no, like, come on, you have to like put to so put you're to thinking words. critically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -uh. Um, and yeah, and then I and I then I finished that poem and submitted both of them. And then in class, you 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 opened up the four to for all of us to um, read what we worked with. And I remember when the class I shared the poem, uh, um, me and Sergio. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of emotions in that class. Um, I think that you all had me, I mean, I don't typically cry, but I am bright. Do you remember that? I cried in that class um, because of the beauty. So um, the Pomona High School students had come to class or come to campus one day. We, we have this kind of, um, what I don't call it, what's it called? Partnering or sharing spaces, sharing mm -hmm. spaces. Mm -hmm. So they're on campus one full day. We're on campus one full day. And then there are a couple of other meetings. And then we had done a, a, some quick writing around that experience, just our class. And then I think we did like the snowball toss, right? We threw the papers across the room so we would all read somebody else's. And so I had no idea who, and of course I wrote too, and it came to me and it, we read, then we picked them up, we read them and we went around. And just one after the other was just so moving what our classmates had to offer. This deep um, caring that, we talk a lot about authentic caring, Valenzuela's concept, this deep caring that I could just, it was emanating from people's quick rights about what it meant to kind of learn about each other, but also Pomona High School. And so the complications of what does it mean that we exist in this, in this society that's so un unequal, right, by race, class, gender, sexuality, and we're trying to maneuver the ways that we can mm -hmm. to break down these divides, these, the, to break down these hierarchy, hierarchies in our everyday interactions, to work with Pomona High School, and yet the reality is that we are we are just, you know, again, we're two main blocks away, but, but the disparities are vast. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, right, don't always feel like like we fit within here, but then we go back to Pomona High School, maybe don't always feel like we fit there anymore. And so it's an, a lot of navigational skills in this structure. And yet, how do we how do we make do? How do we understand it? And so by the time it came back to me to read what someone had written, I, I the tears just flowed because um, because I was really just so touched by the deep the deep authentic care and love that um, you and your classmates showed for um, for env envisioning a different kind of place a different kind of world how we can again make something that doesn't replicate these structures but how hard it all is yeah. um, 
So thank you. I wish you could have been been more critical and not, not felt that way, but I know those those structures are still that's still yeah. the professor. But that's where I always get to learn, right? Um, yeah, and I still have actually like I I've kept everything that like everything that I turn in my final piece. I keep those all, and actually they're at the beginning of the semester. I started going through them all, um, and I was going through my papers from intro soch as well as the uh, education class, um, and I just finished the voices one so. It's always really, it's been, it's always a trip for me to like go back to like my writing as a first year, as a second year and see not only like, I was like, oh my, you wrote that way. Like, um, but also see kind of where my thoughts were at um, and take like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. How has that evolution been or that, that, that? that journey and and you can probably see it too mm -hmm. since you've mm -hmm. had Renee as a student since mm -hmm. the first year what 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 do you see when you go back and read your papers well I'd like to think I've gained some critical thinking now <laughs> or more of it um but I think just seeing um I think I've in terms of like now um looking back like I think I have right now all I can think about is questions because like I think if, when reading some of my papers, I'm like, okay, well, what about this? Like, you should have asked this or should have talked about this. Like, there's so much more, so many more implications, um, as you put it. That's critical thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, and even, and though that in my first, I was like, that was a good point, right? Or like, uh, I came in, the person I came in, the student I came in to Pomona College is drastically different mm -hmm. to the student I am now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of transformation and, and a lot of self-reflection actually that I was given a space in all th in those three spring semesters. Like mm -hmm. I remember, I remember the first essay of do like, um, I can't remember the prompt exactly, but it was like, talk about your schooling, you're like, right. And it was in that paper where I was able to really um, think about like, what my current experiences were at first as a first year at Pomona dealing with imposter syndrome, right? But also recognizing my privileges of my schooling at going to a select enrollment school mm -hmm. in Chicago, right? Like knowing that my, um, I went to a school that I had access to, um, I always had access to a counselor um, where um, there were resources. Like I was able, I was able to come to Pomona before enrolling um, to visit, right? And knowing that although there were like, my high school lane tech um, has a lot of like very s scarce resources for the amount of students that it had. Mm -hmm. um, but even having an older sister who had navigated the college process before me, like that was, that gave me tremendous um, opportunities and like the privilege to then know kind of how to do it afterwards. And so it was, that and that and there was I had that space there to kind of be introspective about that experience. Um, and then I still remember like the paper or the author, like internal and external factors. Like I think it was C. Wright Mills, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something that was imagination. imagination. Yeah, that was, um, that was intro to social. Yeah, um, where public issues and, tr and personal troubles mm -hmm, that really like allowed me to think about like yes, there are things that are. Um, the way I see it, like kind of thinking like micro and like macro, like think about what like the um, 
factors impacting you that like you can see, right? But then that there are also larger systemic institutional things that are also impacting you are also um, have a lot to do with the experience and then kind of un taking those ideas to then um, carrying all those and then being able to use them to analyze then the experiences of Chicanx, Latinx folk as it pertains to education, as it pertains to migration were like really um, instrumental and, and like key for, to me to like, now I see my papers back then. I was like, well, you should have considered this and this and this. I was like, you were reading like the C. Wright Mill was like, why you like, you know? Um, Although that like, um, I've seen as like kind of a, an evolution of my writing as it's gone on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this series of podcasts, we're focusing on uh, mentorship. And I know, Jilta, you're not completely comfortable being designated as, as a mentor. And, and Renee, your mentee, it's, it, it seems a little too... Mm -hmm. Um, uh, structure, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's talk about mentorship, uh, and in particular, mentorship and identity, how they intersect. Mm. If you could talk mm. to us a little bit about that, mm. how they how they intersect, just in general, or kind of in terms of how well, I've seen it, Renee, or yeah, with Renee, yeah. with how does uh, your MCLS? shared identity, how does that affect yeah. the way that yeah. your relationship with Renee has grown, and the relationship that you have with your other students? And you said you have ten. 10 majors in CLS and yeah. your students that have I mean, that? I think it goes back to me again to kind of the spaces that we try to create and a willingness to listen and continue to learn. Um, so maybe that goes back to like why I don't like the whole idea of mentoring because it does assume like one way. Um, but as you can see, I've learned from students. I, I mean, I feel like every student that I've had, I feel like I'm lucky to kind of continue to bring you all back into other classes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of, maybe that is kind of infused by who I am and my own upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. That it is kind of one to kind of always create spaces of affirmation, especially if we feel like we haven't always been validated or like we belong in these spaces. And so that, for me, that space of affirmation means then a willingness to listen, to learn, to rethink and redo, and to do that, to, to try to do that in collectivity, mm -hmm. um, to try to have my office open where I really am just listening and trying not to kind of give my opinion since I'll say, do you want to know what I think? But trying to sit back and listen. Um, yeah. Those are some of the techniques that I try to use. Um, I guess maybe... Maybe I can meld that with the with the some things that you were the last question you had asked Renee and some things that you were sharing, mm -hmm. is that then to try to create spaces for students, because you all are pushing me in various ways, right, to open up opportunities for you to also rethink how you even do the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So whether it was with the poetry in the class saying no, we should do this, right? And it's like okay, you're right. And then but then like in the re in the reclaiming voices class, um, seeing how you kind of took an assignment and made it your own. And so for me, it's it's not necessarily me telling you to do this, mm -hmm. but trying to create opportunities for that to happen and a willingness to say yes, go with it, do it. Or like recently, right? Well, last week or two weeks, you know, yeah. for because he's in the senior seminar, the lit review or the annotated doc. I'm not so sure, right? Um, yeah. I want to really focus on it was like finish up with the, the 20th century, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I mean, that, that's what works. So I think that's it to make mm -hmm. so that it really is a dialogue and it's a continual learning process in that way. Yeah. And Renee, would you, um, I mean, do you consider Jilda to be a mentor and in, in, in what ways? Um, 
I think there are, I think what I appreciate, what I've appreciated a lot about sharing spaces with, with Ochoa has been like how transparent the spaces have been in sharing, mm -hmm. just sharing our stories, our experiences. Um, I remember and like when you talk about your brother and like the working re that relationship that you have with him, um, I think it's so beautiful and it, I have an older sister and so it like has anytime you talk about your brother like I then think about like my sister my older sister I have a younger one as well um but particularly my older sister because I'm also uh my older sister I'm just a year and a half apart from her um and like she was going through college far away from um she was going through college back home through going through that process and I was going through that process here right and they, like we were struggling together and we were um also though like like thriving um, through struggle, but thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, and hearing kind of when you like that, I remember that the, what, the text that like you and your brother co-authored, <laughs> um, and like seeing that, like th these like collaborations and like these, um, making spaces that making, taking space and making space and also doing things that like, are, you're not used to seeing or that you don't, you don't, um, hear about on the day to day, like when, like that, when I read your, your piece that you co-authored with your brother, like I was like, where else? Like that was the first time that I had seen like a, a text mm. that like a fam, like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and for me, that was like so powerful. And like, I, I messaged my sister immediately and I was like, yo, we're going to co-author something. <laughs> like, um, and like, she, she, she works, focuses on psychology. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, and it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work, um, but it will. And so I think, um, I've also just really appreciated when you share about your experience through mm. through grad school and, and that has really um kind of demystified the whole like the when you talk when as and it's like very relevant now because I'm considering mm. um doing or pursuing grad school um and when you talk to a professor a professor who like already went through the grad school right and like oftentimes or at least in my experience there hasn't been much of that conversation of that difficulty of even considering what it was like um, applying, right, of stories and experiences which um, Professor that Ochoa has shared um, and has, like, made them real and through sharing her experiences. Um, that, like, I, I, and I think of when you share stories about your, your, the little cohort that, mm -hmm. um, that I, I forget when it was, or but like, mm -hmm. I, cool. but, yep. yeah, that like those stories in class when you share them have like stories that make these experiences like being first gen, that students, many intersections, right? Yeah. Being first gen, low income, st students of color that on this campus is when mm -hmm. we hear stories like that, that really validate mm -hmm. our experiences that really mm -hmm. um, allow us to then keep imagining, keep, keep, um, seeing ourselves in, in other spaces, um, that we can do, um, along with our professors, like even in our, even in our, our senior seminar that where we're writing, we're sharing about our work. Like when you share about your work, um, I'm like, that's so powerful. Like, I'm like, I'm sitting in a classroom and I'm like, my professor, like Ochoa is like having, seeing through that process, like the the difficulties and the 
um, the not so clean published book that like, that's all you get to see at the end of the day. Um, but hearing about that has been so great. And so it's been that transparency that has really been one of the, what I treasure Mm. about having a Mm draw. Yeah. Thank you. And that's, that's other students, right? Because when I started teaching, I kept everything close. I didn't think people mm. wanted to know my story because that was my schooling, right? It yeah. was all very, again, distance. There was no one that was doing that, was asking to share our stories. Our stories weren't written. And it was really literally other students that came before you mm-hmm. that would ask, right, what were your experiences like? And I started realizing here I'm trying to ask you all to share who you are, what's it like, and realizing I better be ready to share myself too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why then like the Reclaiming Voice, that's what it's about. I'm like, mm-hmm. you all are there. They spend the first time, but first couple of weeks sharing their stories of coming to voice. And I say, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to share too. Um, Because again, I've learned that if I'm going to ask, I better be willing to share. Um, And and luckily you all want to hear. Because that's all I was out. Who wants to hear? (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you for that. Renee, you started talking a little bit about grad school, so let's, <laughs> let's dive into that. Sure. Uh, just, a little, <laughs> just a little bit, don't, don't worry. Um, so you were awarded at Mellon Mays Undergraduate mm-hmm. Fellowship yeah. um, to con- conduct research on a couple of sister cities. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your MMUF and then the research that you're yeah. doing with it? Um, so for my research, I, my research focuses on home, um, on Nogales, Sonora, where I was born, and Nogales, Arizona, those it's border city right across um, between uh, Sonora, Mexico, and mm, Sonora, Nogales, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Sonora, Mexico, and Arizona, U.S. Um, <laughs> and so my work really, I started off trying to figure out, okay, what do I, what am I gonna focus on mm-hmm. in terms and research? And it was, I don't know how I got to exploring Nogales, um, but I, I do remember it got to a point where I, I sent like a a paragraph to my older sister mm-hmm. and I was like hey like I'm gonna I was I'm like imagine a book on Nogales and like talking about it and she was like that is beautiful like like just imagine right um and so that in some in some ways like that was an affirmation of like hey like that'd be a really cool, cool book and then I remember talking to to Ochoa about it and I was like whoever writes this book I was like <laughs> I want to read that book um and then you were like well do that like <laughs> Do, like go do that that research um and then it was also um with my melon advisor professor tinker salas where he gave me i forget what book it was but like seeing a book that was already published in print and the the my my home nogales sonora written on it i was like what and i kept flipping through the pages and it's like to, there was it, it was just something so powerful for me to have my hometown in a book mm-hmm. right and it and like and i say that and a lot of thoughts came through my head that I, i'm gonna go through but nogales sonora a home that i left 20 15 years ago maybe um that i left and have never returned to right and then i made chicago a home um that i had never anytime nogales sonora would be referred to we didn't like it, we would we wouldn't even talk about it as no god it's like it was like home right mm-hmm. um and then that we would talk about over our sunday breakfast with my family like my, my would be my mom my dad my older my younger sister and i would sit at the table having breakfast um and then my parents would t- start telling us stories about their childhood um stories that like i treasured but like there were just stories that ended at the din- at the table and that was it right mm-hmm. and then 
coming here to Pomona to come to college and it was like it was it just the way I see it is like come like a full circle back to my hometown Nogales Sonora and so I what really sparked my recent my my first research question was how has um Nogales Sonora Nogales Arizona changed why is it that when my my primos my cousins who would tell my who would tell us about um about what's going on right why is it that their stories were so different from the ones that I remembered my parents told me right and it was like why does it sound like they're describing two different cities right and so it was really that um disjuncture mm -hmm. between what they were describing um that sparked my research um which I've been which I've been kind of tracing um both through like a history I'm doing just a chronolo chronological understanding of of how not only Nogales ambos Nogales as they refer to them has changed but also the border um and that's that's where my research gets messy because understanding the borders a lot <laughs> and um but that all that that brings me to what I did this past summer my research experience was finally after doing a lot of like context and history and trying to understand the border and Nogales and how they've changed was really going back home and bringing my family into my research mm -hmm. and doing con and having sort of like platicas and like on paper they say oral histories but they're really <laughs> platicas um with my family my tias and my tios and my primos and my primas and and really asking them like mm -hmm. well I know not not asking them it was like tell me about your childhood like that was that was how I started off with all my tias and they and I'd ask I'd be like ooh, and then they <laughs> would just start talking and talking and like I like doing the tra I've been doing um the transcriptions of them and like th th they describe their childhood as like those were the glory days those were like my best times right mm -hmm. and so my research has been a space for me to go back home for me to reconnect with my family for me to um reshape that um the idea of what we think of when we think of a border, like especially with um, the narrative, the um, narratives that we hear today um, from presidential administration that the border is a is in crisis, that it's a war zone, that it's right, like all that garbage that is not true. Because and what I thus far, like I always end my presentations and everything with, in terms of my research, that the border is first. The border is also a home, a home to my family and to the millions of others who live along it, and so. Um, as I try to figure out what the border is, how it has changed and all the messiness of it. And even all the, my, the stories of my family, like something that I, from the get-go that I've known and I want to f make the focal point of my research is the border as a home. Mm -hmm. um, and the work is phenomenal. I yeah. mean, seriously, all the, all the literature you've engaged, all the knowledge that you've, you know, you have across, across generations. Mm -hmm. And then the clippings, you don't refer to the clippings here, and then the, the platicas. The other day, maybe a couple of weeks ago in the senior seminar, someone referred to it as your book, right? Your book yeah. coming to be. So that's exciting. It is exciting to see how it is coming to be. Um, and my brother is an MMUF um, advisor, coordinator at Cal State LA, mm. and is a historian, Latin American studies. And he met, I guess, saw you a couple of times. And, yeah. and over the on the phone today, he was just raving about your presentation, mm. about your work. Um, so things that we know already. Um, the book but, is coming. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and, and, and I like I said, we'll use it when if I'm still teaching the senior seminar, we will, we will use it because um, that's that's what it's about, right? And it's and it's been I think it's for me at least I see my research and how it's evolved, and I can't imagine what my research has looked like now without everything that I've gained from Chicanx studies, like mm-hmm. the like platicas and like really. I walk. I walked in to my my tia's house, um, knowing that I was gonna do these platicas, right? But it was very important for me to be able to not um, go in as the expert, go in as the researcher, right? Like, and it was also much, even that much more important. That I didn't walk in that way because it was my family, <laughs> and they weren't gonna let me sit down and tell them how. No, they were not. Um, yeah, so it was a win-win. Um, but it was like. There were just a lot of layers, like it was family, it was also going home, um, that like it was, I knew that I was going back and I had a, like a distanced positionality going back, right? Like it was in some ways, like it is my home, but it's still very much, I I don't know what it, it, what it was growing up, right? So going in and there was a lot of like politics that I had to be mindful of and, and in, the, in how I engage with that work. All, and all of this mindfulness and all 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 of this um, knowledge and that I've has allowed me to shape how my research ha- um, has be that has shaped what my research has become. I gained through Chicanx Latinx studies um, through the works um, of like uh, Chicana Power mm-hmm. by Maylee Blackwell. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolores Salgado Bernal, um, where she writes about platic, no Chicana feminist epistemology and platicas too. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then like even like Alfonso Gonzalez's mm-hmm. book um, Reform Without mm-hmm. Justice, like all of these books that have really opened the doors to different types of of different histories, histories that we don't that I wasn't accustomed to learning about, different knowledges that we don't acknowledge that are very much important um that has really shaped my research and why and to like I'm like I've been working on this for a year and a half and I'm like <laughs> some on I remember like in a lot of the conversations when I, when I hear folks talking about research and grad school and what it's like pick something that you're not going to get bored of right <laughs> um and, and and I always ask myself like I always every time I'm going to write more about it I'm like Okay, like, are you bored of this yet? Or like, are you? And, I, and I'm not. Like, I really. And and like, I'm as I'm, I'm like walking into your office hours. I'm being able to talk to, like, it. I'm. <laughs> it's hard to describe how excited I am to just get to work. And I remember, like, <laughs> it was so hard for me to take a whole, really, a whole year to learn the history of the border, um, because really, and I remember, it was like what I wanted to learn, what I wanted my research to be was my family, the platicas, the, how it has changed for them, right? Mm-hmm. For, for, right. But I knew beforehand, I'm like, I can't just walk in and ask, like, I want, I want to know. Context. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I asked myself, I still, and I don't need to ask anymore up to this point, or I don't need to ask because I know that I'm not, I'm not bored of it. Like I still want to. And I think a lot of that has been, um, I've, in some ways I've been allowed to still be passionate about it because it's not just, learning the history, but it's also like, 
seeing the tes- the the platicas, the testimonios of my tias and my tios as knowledge and like mm-hmm. with that, where we go in and we co-create and like we share and we heal and we laugh and it's mm-hmm. it's all of these different ex- these being able to see all of these experiences um through a framework that CLS has given me mm-hmm. is what has really enabled me to still be passionate. I can talk to you about my <laughs> project for days and I love it and That's I'll great. like yeah. It's a good sign. <laughs> it good is good. Book. And no, it's it's exciting, right? And it goes back to your early question about what is the unique aspects of being transdisciplinary or dis- mm-hmm. interdisciplinary. You got a, a primal example, right? Mm-hmm. It draws on so much and it's mm-hmm. not just content, but it's also all about the process. Okay. Um, and why we do this work. Right. Um, Jill, the Renee's story is is uh, such a wonderful uh, sort of lead in to talking about sort of the two sides of CLS. There's mm-hmm. the sort of theoretical, mm-hmm. historical context mm-hmm. side, and then there's the very almost sort of, sort of practical application mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. those things to students' own lives, mm-hmm. to culture, to activism. How do you navigate that as a professor? How do you keep, how do you find the right balance in between those two sides? Yeah, and do you mean in the classroom? In the classroom and in every way. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't see them as sides. I see them as one united kind of Mm -hmm. cohesive way of being. Yeah. Um, And so I guess I can speak first for myself and then maybe in the classroom is that for myself, I've always, again, not because so much is about dividing who we are, right? We do this, we do that, and it's all over the place, especially as a faculty member. You do research, you do teaching, and you do service as though they are three disparate. And that to me is not healthy, right? Where too many Mm -hmm. divisions, these disciplines are dividing and so on. And so it's always about how can I bring my whole self into the, in the space and the work that I do. And so that's why then I teach about La Puente. I write about La Puente. I talk about education. We practice education. I try to bring it in, in, in tandem. In terms of the classroom as well. And this is, again, where it's an ongoing reflection learning process. So we'll read some of the theory. I'm thinking now going back to the education class. We read Alfonso Gonzalez's book, um, which provides a more kind of macro analysis to understanding immigration and what are the prevailing ideologies that have been used over time by various immigrant rights groups, but also anti-immigrant rights groups, and how has that played out at the macro scene. And that can be a very helpful framework. And then people came during office hours, you know, people's stories were missing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And I remember those conversations. And so always then, okay, so what are we going to do? How are we going to create space? How are we going to bring in the testimonials? And and so then trying to augment that maybe with some poetry, right? With the the video, we saw the video immersion, right? That kind of brought it all to life. And then again, more emotions were brought out and then whose voices were shared. So it's an ongoing um, kind of bringing it together, not trying Trying to dissect them, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that they are, oh, I touched the mic. Knowing that they are, knowing that they are whole. <laughs> Sorry, but um, but also being willing to listen and learn and bring in bring in more as we go forward. Yeah. It's it's an mm-hmm. ongoing process, and that again, that's the beauty of I think teaching. Um, that it's it's never done. And kind of to end up, what advice do you have for students considering CLS? classes or to major and what are what would you tell first year Renee about CLS now that you know <laughs> all that you know and Jilda yeah for both <laughs> question for both or you can start and I can add or yeah. I can start whatever to do it <laughs> um, in a heartbeat um, I think I've been so 
I don't want to say lucky, but the fact that I have this curriculum, that I've had this opportunity to engage with this curriculum, um, that I know, like when I when I leave the Claremont Colleges and I talk and, and at, at other institutions and I'm, they ask me like, oh, what's your major? And then I'm like, oh, Chicana Latinx Studies. And students are like, you have you have that major? Like it's a full department. I'm like, and yeah, where, because I know at other institutions, it's, oh, they only have access to that as a minor or mm-hmm. like they could take classes in that, but it's not a major. And like when I, when those conversations conversations come up, it's, it's, it's humbling and it really, um, touches on the, the, in some ways, the privilege that we have here at the Claremont College is to have a major, to have faculty, um, something that, that, that in recognize, recognizing all this, it's, we have to recognize also the struggle and that it, it didn't come easy. Like it's been constant and we're still doing that. Um, but even like knowing all that, that I still have access to that and that I have still been able to engage with that. Um, that's one side of it. But then there's also, um, like it's been a process, like like it hasn't always been easy. Like even like when I go get a haircut sometimes and they ask me, oh, what are you studying? I'm like, Chicana Latinx Studies. And there's judgment. They're like, they don't see it as a as an authentic field, like it's that it's valid. Like even when I go home, I when I, I had a, an interaction with a, a family member, I told them that and they're like, oh, what are you going to do with that? Um, that now as a senior, I that doesn't trip me up anymore because I know what I can do that I know what I'm going to do with that, what I am doing with it. Um, but that initially back my sophomore year, Renee, who was deciding that that was one of those questions that I was really grappling with, like, um, cause you're, cause, and in some ways we, um, at Pomona and at large, like we really, do, we reinforce these, um, hierarchies of disciplines, like where we like don't give the same appreciation and value to majors, like, um, Africana studies, Asian American studies, Chicanx, Latinx studies. Um, and that really tripped me up as a sophomore. Cause I was like, am I, should I like, is, can I still do, can I do something with Chicanx, Latinx mm-hmm. studies? And so mm-hmm. if I were to tell first year, Renee, I'm like that three week mess you were in that three week, like the, of deciding, like, like I would, the goal would be to alleviate those three weeks, to like make sure that those three weeks, despite that like w- that joyous moment that like after uh, Zimmerman's <laughs> lecture that right um, that I still treasure, um, but it would really go to um, validate, validate it, and really, and I would and I'd be like you're in like because the the joy that even I've had from the readings, um, like I remember uh, my class with Profa. Uh, Profe Marta Gonzalez at Scripps, the Fandango as a decolonial tool. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're in, we we recreate these spaces within academia that where we appreciate knowledge. Like we still appreciate knowledge, like types of knowledge that we may not traditionally be accustomed to recognize and appreciate, but that are still very much valid and and authentic and and necessary to engage with, like. Um, at, interestingly, at, at the, the the past conference I was in, I uh, have a friend who's doing work on the um, on a music genre, Son Jarocho, mm-hmm. a musical genre that emerged from Veracruz, has um, Afro-Cuban um, uh, influence. Yeah, influence. Um, but 
he and his his work is great um but his name is Isaias but he he got a question from from someone in the audience and I was like how do you um basically it was looking at cuz Harocho has like been um growing a lot more right and there's like a, a wave it's like coming back and the question was like well is it come like can is it coming back can you listen to it in like Spotify like on media right and it's and what I immediately thought of because I took the class with with um, Profe Gonzalez was that a part of that experience is a convivencia, like something that you can't get on Spotify. <laughs> like you just can't. Like it's a part of that experience, and it's like it's. But when that experience is happening, it's also like knowledge that has is being. It's knowledge that's being um, shared and that has been carried on through generations. Um, through el, el through el, el fandango, the dance, the singing, the haranas, and all that beauty, um, and it's being able to have been in a class like that to read stuff and 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 there's theory in that. There really is that um, to be able to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I would tell my freshman year, like you're in for a treat, like <laughs> like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I would say, um, this is something sometimes students will say, is that mm-hmm. being in Chicano Latino Studies classes is the breath of fresh air. Um, and I would, I, I feel the same way. I think, again, it's that unique space of learning, of being, and critically thinking, and unpacking, and remaking, and re-envisioning. And what we have seen in Chicano Latino Studies is sometimes students will take a class every semester thinking they're going to do STEM. <laughs> um, and they still may. They still may major in biology. We have we have our mm-hmm. Chicano Latino Studies majors that go on and be doctors and teachers and, and social, social workers and activists and so on. Um, but they kind of come to our space thinking, I'll take one class. And then it's the next semester. And then they're in again. And then before they know, we're like, hmm, maybe they should minor or major. Um, because they know, how can you do the work that they're doing or plan to do without knowing the history and experience of Chicanos and Latinos in the U.S., right? And having a transnational lens and thinking critically about the structures that we exist within and thinking about our roles and all of these dynamics. And so whatever students go on to do, at taking at least, I would say, two <laughs> classes, but ideally minoring or majoring is going to enhance not only the self, but knowledge of our society too. And so I'm hoping the students know that. Unfortunately, our work is oftentimes devalued. And so this is where, again, how can our institution do more to make sure that we are not still just enjoying appointments, that we have a home, that we have a space, that we can we all be together, because that's a crucial part of who we are, and yet our offices are still so dispersed. I don't know if you'll add that in, but I hope that you do. Yeah. I hope you do, because sure. you saw it's all about community, and so we really do need to be together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when you said about the music and the experience of how you how you remember that and I never thought of that that's powerful yeah so on that note we're going to wrap this up um our thanks to Renee Valenzuela class of 2020 and Professor Jolda Ochoa thank you both thank you thank you you for the invitation (laughs) and to all who've stuck with us this far thanks for listening to SageCast the podcast of Pomona College until next time that was great thank you thank you so much for sharing thank you both thank you for the invitation